Off to Charleston. One of the great cities in all of America. Best trip of the league season. No doubt about it. Maybe except for Except for Ashmore, yeah. Great spot to go. Magnolia is a tradition unlike any other. And uh, you're a little bit warm. It is warm in here, yeah. But it's like uh, 70 degrees today. It's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. And football season is coming. What a beautiful week. I know. The start of the Alliance of American Football. No, 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 no. That's the past. Let's not live in the past. I'm living in the, the past. The present earned, is the Alliance of American I've Football. I've earned living in the past. I'm really looking forward to Birmingham and the way I they've got through, their roster shaping I up. sat through two win, Patriot fan, two win Patriot seasons as a fan, as a kid, so... I can I can boast in the not boast but I can bask in the the shine of the greatness of Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick just for one more day. I mean, it it had been what like ninety days since Boston had won a yeah, championship. Yeah, it was uh, ninety five days or something. Whew, like that. Yeah. What a God! How did you make it all that time? Did you see? There was a, I guess there was a sign at the parade, and it was like you know my daughter's like four months old and she's only been to two parades. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and the crazy thing is, you can make a pretty strong argument that the Patriots played in three playoff games where they had less talent than their opponents, and they blew out the Chargers, and played a 50-50 game against Kansas City, and, you know, I wouldn't say the Super Bowl was lopsided, but it wasn't a particularly good game either. Oh, I'd completely disagree with that, and, and, I'll, t- and I'll tell you why it was a good game. It was a good game for Rams and Patriots fans because every play you felt like had an opportunity to turn the game around. But it was so poorly played. No, I know, but so for I mean, there was drama. Yeah, but for people who didn't have a rooting interest, I could see why it was boring. I I totally get that. But if you had if you had a vested interest in it, it, it was. You know, the, the drama was the exciting yeah. part. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if you have a vested interest in anything, then it's going to be good. I just, like, there are a lot of people Monday morning quarterbacking and saying, well, if you didn't like the game, you don't like good defense. I don't like two dudes whose quarterback ratings are under 50. It just wasn't very well played. But it certainly was a compelling game down to the wire. No, no doubt about it. It had the drama going down the stretch. And, you know, look, it was a... The defenses were the dominant. We knew coming in that it was going to be a strength on both of these teams. Now, obviously, I think everybody thought it was going to be more like a 31-28 type of game. That that didn't pan out, and I think that's also I think also the expectation of this game, Dave, is why people felt it was boring. If you thought it was going to be a slugfest in a low-scoring game, I don't think you would have been as, as disappointed. But everybody well, what was if you thinking, thought the teams were good? I mean, Tom Brady wasn't good. He wasn't good, no. And Jared Goff was very bad. Well, well, Tom Brady was was maybe a little bit better than Trent Dilfer. Right, exactly. So like like Bill Belichick won the Super Bowl again, like. I look back at the playoffs, and and I don't feel like I was wrong throughout the year being against the Patriots because the level of talent on their team just isn't that high. But in in the end, Bill Belichick is the most important figure in the history of the league. He's single-handedly winning Super Bowls. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, he's got 53 guys helping him. (laughs) He's got about 12 guys helping. I mean, like... Well, you can't say I it's feel all, like oh, Hold on a minute. That, that's not entirely fair. It, it's. I understand what you're saying. That the, the, you're saying that the majority of the coaching is. But but the, the players actually have to go out and execute the game plan. I feel like if Bill Belichick this year had coached New Orleans, Kansas City, the Rams, or the Patriots, his team would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I, every but, 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 but those year, are but those are four talented teams. Right. Could he could he have taken. Uh, I don't know, the Buffalo Bills to a Super Bowl? Probably not the Buffalo Bills, but could he have taken the Chargers or Ravens? Probably. Well, the Ravens and the Chargers, probably. I mean, like, so he basically could have taken any of the playoff teams. The Cowboys? I mean, that that's unbelievable. Like, to me, the Super Bowl told us one thing. He is better than any two players. I'd rather have Bill Belichick than any two players. Well, the, the the deciding factor of all this, though, is can he do it without Tom Brady? 
I mean, he did it without the Tom Brady we all know and love. But but it was still Tom. Now Tom Brady's game right now is probably ninety five percent mental. And Tom Brady physical. played like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Well, he, at the end, he game managed, which is all he needed to do. But he wasn't even good at that. He was missing screen passes. He threw the interception yeah. in the first quarter, but it didn't matter because the defense was so good and so stifling. And somehow Julian Edelman is always open. Can you explain to me how Wes Welker was an okay player before he joined the Patriots and then became an all-pro? And the same thing with Edelman. And Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola. Like, what is it about the system? And don't get me wrong. These guys are talented. And they're herky-jerky. And they're hard to defend. But... What is it about the system that enables those guys to prosper? Whereas, like, like I think Jarvis Landry is a better football player than Julian Edelman. Yeah, I think but, that's fair. Like, talent-wise. But Julian Edelman is a far more effective, successful player. Well, I think, you know, and we're, we're in the middle of basketball season. I think the answer is, I don't think anybody understands spacing better than Bill Belichick and, and how to maneuver pieces you know, I, mean, it, it, I hate this comparison, but it, it fits. Like, it's like everybody else is playing checkers, but he's playing chess. I kind of feel like a piece of the puzzle might be the way players listen. As in, a lot of teams sort of improvise. And like, you know, Brett Favre was kind of known for making a play where something wasn't there. But it's the accountability of it too, right? Because players know that if they don't if they don't produce, they're gone. Right, but I think with the Patriots there's no improvision. There is this is the play, you run the play exactly the way I designed the play to be run and it will be successful. Like he is he kinda has that military piece to the puzzle, the precision where your players aren't thinking about, I could do this, I could do this. They're simply running the play. It's an incredibly well-designed play. It's well thought of when we should run the play. And it, it, I, I think his team is the best listening team in the league. And he's the best coach in the league because his players listen because he's got the credibility that whatever it is he says to run is going to work. I wonder if Tyler Hansborough likes to watch that. <laughs> listen. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, it's amazing. It, it, it's absolutely mind But I think the other thing, too, though, is just how much of savants that he and, and some of the people in the, the background that you don't see, like the Ernie, uh, Ernie Adams and those guys, you know, like most people will look back at the season, they might, but they might look back at, uh, you know, last year's tape. Patriots probably have every player, every player ever played indexed, cross-referenced, spreadsheeted out, and remembered. It's incredible, though, that no one can duplicate it. Like, that's why I think it's Belichick. And maybe Adams, because he hasn't... I mean, he's been there the entire time. But, like, everyone else... Like, when Josh McDaniels left, the Patriots were still good. And everyone else that leaves, it's never really a big deal. Uh, that's why I think it just it ends up resting on his shoulders. Well, He's no able to replace everyone. I think yeah. when he leaves, though, I mean... McDaniels is probably the guy that's going to replace him. Right. And the Patriots may be good and they may be bad, but I have no reason to believe that it's going to continue. No, I think that's the million-dollar question, right? I mean, the, the, the first domino is, and I think he will hang around past Tom Brady. You know, they may there, there's a sentiment that maybe they'll go all caught together. Who knows? I mean, that, that's that, that's something that history will determine. Not We can't determine that here on the bearded car cast. As much That's as surprising. Would, I know, as much as we like to... Let's go to the guest line and Bill Belichick <laughs> joins us. That's right. Um, but it's the... The system is Bill Belichick, right? I mean, it's... In the, and not just... It's not just uh, what he knows, Dave. It's like just a lifetime of learning. Like, And he continues to learn. I mean, there was a story on... Um, I think it was in The Athletic... Uh, which was a, uh, I think it was Jeff Howe who covers the team, for the, covers the Patriots for the Athletic. But Bill Belichick, this was like 2003, 2004 when the show uh, Rescue Me was going on. And uh, right before the dynasty started in 2000, this is kind of funny, two people you never, Lenny Clark, the comedian. Right. Uh, he's on a plane to LA with Bill Belichick. 
and they're sitting next to each other, I guess in first class, and they become friends. So okay. a couple of years later, Lenny's on uh, Rescue Me, and he and he's also, I guess, somewhat friendly with Dennis Leary, who was the star of the show. And he says, hey, uh, can I come out? I want to watch, like, how you guys interact and teamwork and all that. And Lenny Clark was like, hey, I got to tell you, Bill, you know, a lot of 15-hour days, you know. <laughs> he's like, that's fine. And uh, and Dennis Leary, like, when he got to the set, was like, hey, you want a trailer? He's like, no, I just want to watch and see how everything uh, interacts and, and how they and how you guys work as a team and who determines who does what and who's responsible. So it's 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 not just learning football, but you know life skills and, and just organizationally how things in a, in a workplace come together. Yeah, I mean, it's down to a science, and it's funny because can you make the comparison? with Nick Saban is what Nick Saban is doing in Alabama where he's probably the greatest of all time similar to but you know what the one difference is I, I think in the, from, in the sense of creating a formula and a system and, and getting the piece yes but he doesn't have to worry about a salary cap he's got un, I mean now the Patriots have unlimited resources but yeah but he does have to recruit I mean they're, they're different jobs but they're similar jobs I mean, the the obstacles that Saban has, Belichick doesn't, and and vice versa. Yeah. And maybe recruiting is easier than navigating a a quote unquote fair NFL system. But I mean, it, it just seems to me both of them are. But, so... but in theory, you could go out and get the eighty best players in America. Um, it's hard for Bill Belichick on a salary cap to go get the 53 best NFL players. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely true. But recruiting is is difficult. So. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's easy. But And what's interesting, too, though, I mean, if you're any kind of NFL player, you've made your money, but you don't have a championship and you feel like, you know, New England is a chance, why wouldn't you do it? You see, but while you say that, and in theory, that's right, who from this year's roster is a piece of that? Like, I agree with you. You would want to go Well, this play year's there. team was really built more on savvy trades. Right. I mean, they, just, they don't actually have that. It, that. Like, that concept makes sense. But they don't have those guys. Not this year. Right. Yeah. I mean, in the past, they've had well, I mean, I guess guy Josh Gordon may have been that. But that, no, he was, they got him in a trade, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this year. How about uh, Greg Shano getting hired? That was interesting. And, and I think it a good it's hire. A brilliant yeah, hire. Good hire. I, I mean, the guy knows football. The guy has been successful most places he's gone. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Wasn't there a, a, a period, and maybe I'm wrong about this, wasn't there a period where Belichick was drafting a bunch of his guys? Oh, yeah, he guys? took a lot of Rutgers guys, yeah. Yeah. Well, so there, there's a respect there's a experience. He's done it both in the college level and at the NFL level. Well, there's a trust level. I mean, he understood. You know, yeah. The, you know. I, a friend I, of mine thought it was very un, uh, unlike Bill Belichick just because, you know, some of the guys that have kind of elevated or gotten into the have been guys with unique stories. Um, you know, I mean, Josh McDaniel, you know, awfully very young guy. Um, Matt Patricia, literally a rocket scientist. Uh, but, you know, Shiano's just an old school football guy. Yeah, I mean, but Belichick, just like any other savvy CEO, knows talent and knows work ethic and sees and admires people from afar or can get through a resume and get through an interview and determine this guy fits me and this guy doesn't. I mean, I think Greg Schiano would be successful a lot of places he went. He was successful at Ohio State. He was successful at Rutgers. I think he would have been successful at Tennessee. But, I mean... I love that hire. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think on paper, his resume is better than the guy that's leaving to be the head coach in Miami. So who do you have in the alliance? Who do I have in the alliance? Well, I have to be partial to, uh, I think it's Arizona, uh, where my buddy Charles Harbuckle is uh, working as an assistant coach. I have not researched one iota of the Alliance. Well, kickoff is Saturday. Is it really? There are two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. And they wear pads, right? I, I believe oh, so. I'm just kidding. So, uh, but who do you got? Birmingham. That's the team Steve Logan's involved Oh, that's in. right. That's right. You're a big Steve Logan guy. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, like I'm not going to seek it out. 
But come Sunday night, if there's not a college basketball game on TV that I'm interested right. in, it wouldn't surprise me if I turn it on. I think there'll be the curiosity factor. What, what's interesting to me is what's the um, what's the longevity going to be like? Because I think, like any, I mean, this is obviously a sports program, but like anything that's debuted on television, you know, if it's promoted properly, it'll get a good, you know, good opening show. But what's the second, third, fourth week's going to be? Well, like? I, I completely agree with that. But to me, a big piece of the puzzle is the competition. And while you and I love college basketball. What is going on right now on Saturdays and Sundays that people are going to watch over the Alliance of American Football? I think they're going to do whatever they've normally done on a uh, February Sunday. Now, the the challenge that the Alliance has is attracting the eyeballs. And I don't think just because it's football alone is going to do that. I think, you know, obviously the PR machines are going to have to rev up. The storylines are going to have to be good, compelling. Would you rather watch App State and Louisiana Monroe or no, I'd, this? I'd rather take my son out to the, the yard and... Uh, right, but the, the ratings for bowl games are good. And the MAC plays Tuesday night college football, and you don't know any of the players, and you don't know the coaches, and people watch. So, like, I agree that well, it's a say, much tougher now, however, sell than the uh, NFL. However, yes, but they also wanted... Now, granted, this is a new a startup, so it's going to take time to get some inroads. Uh, you know, while you and I may be not as familiar as the Mac, uh, you know, those Mac schools have been around forever, and they do have their own... Yeah, and they've got alumni, bases. and they've got yeah. uh, students and people in the community that cheer for them. So yeah, that, that's Now, the great. one thing I will say, and I feel like I'm pretty, um, pretty sophisticated when it comes to you know, reading stuff, and you know, I'm pretty aware of what's going on. You're a sophisticated reader. I'm a well. I, Do you read at like a ninth grade level or twelve? I, I walked right into that. No, what I mean is, I'm uh, I, I, I sh- better way to put it is I'm more up on current events. Is the better way to put it. Okay. Uh, now I haven't gone. The government is open. Yes, the government is back open. I have. Um, I haven't seen a lot of storylines. I haven't gone looking for it either, but I haven't really seen a lot generated about the uh, alliance um yeah i'd say there's been less about it than i was expecting too um it'll be interesting to see if there's cbs is pumping the hell out of it yeah it'll be interesting for me to see if there's social media ads for it if there are promoted tweets and facebook ads for it this week and the demographics are going to be interesting i mean is this something that the 18 to the 25, the 18 to 35 crowd is going to flock to, or is their audience going to be more of like the 35 plus, or or is it going to be is it going to stretch like 18 to you know 55? I I, I, I don't, don't know. That's I don't it. I don't know. Um, I just I'm a college basketball guy. If Michigan's playing Purdue, I'm going to watch that before sure. I watch the Alliance. Right, but. I would agree with that. If there's not a lot going on, and I'm the minority, most people are going right. to watch a football game. Right. Louisiana Monroe and App State over. Well, what are they running on Bravo? Is like below deck going on, or like <laughs> the Pup rolls? Is that going on? Right. Um, I think you're right, though. I think they're going to get eyeballs initially, and the question is if they're going to get them a second and third time. But. Well, how, good is, how good is the coaching going to be? Are the players going to be I think be the coaching is going to be really good. Look at the people coaching. It's it's a star-studded group. It's, I mean, good resumes coaching. But the question is, how good are the players? Right, right. And I, I, I don't know. So, don't, so handy. is Steve Logan going to be like the Bill Belichick of the American Alliance? Like, who's who's the Bill Belichick of the... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you read... You can't... There's only one Bill Belichick. I was kind of being facetious. Yeah. And the question is, who's going to be the uh, the uh, Mike Pacheco of that's right of the Alliance? Well, um, some of your guys are doing the games, right? Is Carter doing some games or uh, uh, Catalan's, Catalan's doing, doing games. games? Yeah, I, I I don't know. It'll be it. I feel like it either gets off to a good start and carries momentum, or it's dead on arrival. Like, do you see a way in which it yeah, doesn't I don't think do it's, well? I don't think it's something that. Uh, plods along and then hits. I think it's either going to be successful or it's not. Yeah, and if it 
if it's not successful, what does that say for the XFL and the other imitators? The XFL, by the way, announcing this week that Bob Stoops is going to coach their Dallas franchise. Wow. I don't know. You know, I just think that... Uh, I think all this other stuff is just noise. You know, Now, I think the Alliance has a, a good... Um, People's appetite for football is significant. Yeah, but I think there's also something to be said for the year-round nature of it. I, I think it's good that you enjoy football in the fall season, with, whether it's college or pro or both, and then you move on to other things. And I, I, what I, and again, this is going to be kind of a silly analogy, but I mean, it's not like being a year-round baseball player and, and the drawbacks of being a single-sport athlete. But uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I kind of would think we get burned out. Can we get a, a bomb we're, pop? We're driving the, the by bomb pop truck. Just went by us. We're driving we by a by truck. Dave's driving, so we went by it. <laughs> Painted like a bomb pop. A bomb pop. And it says bomb pop on yeah. it. And that's one of those old popsicles with red, red, white, white, and blue. And blue. Yeah, it's like a rocket. Yeah. But I don't see uh, the refrigeration unit. And it's not like an ice. It's not like the ice cream man truck. It's. I think that's like a. Uh, that truck looks like an American flag threw up on it. Bearded Car Cast. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman. We're on uh, 77 South, making our way towards Charleston. We've just discussed the uh, really the, the the greatness of Bill Belichick and the newness of the American Alliance of American Football. And, and to finish off on the Alliance of American Football, I believe in 10 years there is going to be a survivor of these secondary leagues. I think that. But I think the American Alliance has the leg up because I think they started first. And, and, and that may be the case, or the XFL has branding or whatever. Well, they have branding Some of and these, they have the WWE behind it. One of these man. leagues is eventually going to let in college kids that want to be paid. They can't go to the NFL right. because they have to wait for three years. And I think that's going to give them kind of some star power. You're going to have some of the best high school players in the let me ask country you a question. playing. Let me ask you a question. Do you see... Either one of these leagues potentially uh, having the impact of like an, uh, the old AFL where maybe some of the teams get absorbed in the, the NFL expands. I don't know if it's going to be the AFL. I don't know if it's going to be the but USFL. Think- I just think there is a market for football when the competition is college basketball or baseball or NBA regular season games. Like, I, I, I think people are going to watch if there is a decent product. So, I mean, the Arena Football League survived for a long, long time, and it was a little bit of a niche. It's going to take these leagues... Well, and and it, was, it, was, it was more on the lines of a, um, the, a minor league baseball model, yep. where it was family-friendly, affordable entertainment. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the model for one of these, but like, I, I believe that there's going to be secondary professional football played this time of year after the NFL season could be in the summer it could be in the spring or the winter whatever it is but I, I think there's going to be something like this for the foreseeable future Which now do you think these... a team gets relegated um no but like, but but here's the thing yeah. when I was looking last night and, and I took five minutes to see who was playing yeah. and what time the games were I didn't realize some of these games are on the NFL network really what does that tell you that's interesting. Yeah. I, that tells you the well, NFL kinda, is not against it. Well, no, and remember, we kind of, uh, I don't think we did this on the podcast, but you and I kind of talked about this a couple about a month ago. Because I, 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 my first reaction was, man, I don't know if the NFL is going to be behind this. And you, your reaction was, no, I think they're going to love it. Well, I think it can work as a but it makes, but, minor know, league for them. But it does make, yeah, well, here's where it makes sense for them, right? And on two levels. One, it could be a, a feeder system um, or a, a way to you know, develop guys uh, that you can bring in. And again, that may be. That's why I'm wondering, Dave, if 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 you develop enough guys out of this, you know, 
is the opportunity for maybe another one or two more franchises to come into the league. Right. And, and, but, the, but the other thing where this really makes sense, and this is why I think it makes sense to do this now as opposed to when the USFL tried it, and, and the USFL is a whole different ball of wax on why that failed, but uh, but now with the NFL Network, that's that's three, four months of more programming for them. Exactly. And you wonder if the long-term answer is two or three or four of these leagues start, one of them shows modest success, the NFL buys a piece of them or buys the whole league yeah. and operates it as their minor league as opposed to starting an NBA G League and working through the growing pains. They just let somebody else work through the growing pains, write a big check and say, okay, now this is our minor league. But here's the other question: Would would, would it make sense if, if we're thinking about this as an NFL feeder system? Does it make sense to have them play like on Tuesday, Wednesday nights during the, during season. the season? Yeah, I mean, we talked about that. I don't know months ago on the Cardcast, and I, I think that's a possible working model too. I think it's a maybe. I mean, because those are certainly the lightest nights of the week when there's not much going on. Right, well, and then you really would have the baseball. A guy gets hurt, you can call right, somebody right, right. up, and, you know, maybe you don't, you know... It's like the JV and the varsity. Right. But 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 there's room for that. Yeah. It, again, if people go to the games, if the ratings are decent, yada, yada, yada. No, I like that. I think that's, uh, that's good. What did you make of some of the comments that... Uh, came out of the, the press conference earlier this week interesting and I don't know if there's, there's speculation as to whether it was a joke or not uh, I'm, I'm excited if, if it happens but throwing a roof on Bank of America Stadium and having Final Fours and maybe potentially getting a Super Bowl here maybe the hotel situation isn't quite where it needs to be and, and I think maybe a little bit more on the entertainment side maybe some more uh, restaurants bars clubs that kind of thing but it's a it's it's interesting that we're having those conversations was there a dollar figure on it no and I think it was kind of a throwaway line at the end. David Tepper, the, the New Panthers owner, was basically um, his foundation along with, uh, I forget, who the, maybe Belk, uh, but they were uh, donating a, a, a huge amount of money to, to fund backpacks for uh, kind of the lower-performing, uh, the, the schools that really need a little bit of help in, in Charlotte Mecklenburg school system. And, and part of that was a little bit of a, a state of the union, if you will, of the Panthers. And so there was some discussions uh, you know about training facility and which it looks like now they're and this is not necessarily out of that discussion but just out of reports this week it looks like and it makes sense that they're kind of zeroing in on the old Charlotte Knights location yeah I mean that seems like a foregone conclusion and it makes a ton of sense you can move your headquarters to South Carolina you can save a bunch of money on tax breaks and then you can rip up the practice facility now turn it into parking and right. make a whole bunch of money on that yeah it makes sense I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense and you can really build up that area by the old night stadium with you know places to eat and, and hotels and you know kind well, of the model would be a, Patriot place yeah exactly exactly and, which is its own kind of complex where you can go to a movie theater yeah, shops and restaurants and, movies do stuff. do all of that sort of stuff. I think I think that makes a ton of sense, and the team's going to save a fortune by being in South Carolina and not North Carolina. Right. Still play the games in Uptown. I I I don't know about the roof, Mike. My, my guess is that that's very 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 cost prohibitive. I would think you know I'm not a I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. I'm not an architect, so I don't know. But you know there was a there was a discussion five six years ago I think. Where uh, the previous owner Jerry Richardson had mentioned that uh, if he could have done the stadium over again, he probably would have made it closer to sixty-five thousand seats. So maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a, a way that you knock out maybe eight to, you know, maybe five to eight thousand seats, and that would kind of you'd be the space that you would kind of need to put a roof over the stadium. I mean, I don't again, I don't, I don't know the, the physics and the my guess the is that the it. price in putting a roof on top of that stadium is only but what slightly if, but less what if, than building an entire new stadium. Well, no, I think one thing, and again, this is not scientific or uh, architect approved, but uh, I think the theory, the one one theory that I read was that... Uh, Welcome to Winsboro. Oh, love Winsboro. Well, you know what's in uh, near Winsboro is the South Carolina Train Museum. 
Oh, interesting. Did trains yeah. play a role in this area? Well, it, it actually helped bring uh, goods and services and, and commerce as well as passenger huh. service. Interesting. Yeah. Actually, I, so it's become kind of, I hate to say running joke because it's not a joke, but uh, it just seems like everywhere we go, the train is a big influencer. And uh, But it, but Charleston has a story too. We'll tell that later. But Because uh, there's some interesting stuff. And if... Uh, by the time you're hearing this, we'll have already done our social media stuff. So make sure you, you check that out. At Friedman underscore Dave. I am at Mike Pacheco 81 Of course, at Bearded Carcast. And you can email us, believe it or not, Dave. We do have the ability to communicate with others. It's beardedcarcast at outlook.com. We're taping on the way to Charleston. But we're going to save a segment at the end because the NBA trade yes. deadline is this afternoon yeah, and we'll talk about that on the back end and maybe a little bit of our trip to Charleston and a little bit of our trip to Charleston but and we've talked about this quite a bit over the months on the podcast more in season one than season two baseball is an old white man sport and I think it is ripe for the taking particularly if there's a viable football league going on at that time of year but Commissioner Rob Manfred I think is very forward thinking yes. and has at least kind of floated several pretty significant rule change ideas and maybe they're just trying to get a pulse of the people and obviously they're going to have to negotiate with the union but th- there are some I don't know if you would say radical, but game-changing ideas out there. I have a radical game-changing idea, and and I'm saying this in all seriousness. And we kind of had a similar discussion with football about this um, in the last episode. I think the technology exists, Dave, that why not not mic the pitchers up and put put a, a receiver and maybe give them like a little earbud and instead of walking out to the mound, that, that on the 20-second or 30-second pitch, whatever they decide, I think it's going to be 20 seconds, that you that the pitching coach has 20 seconds in that 20-second span to talk to the pitcher. Eliminates the need to even go out there and talk to him. So there'd be no mound visits, but you could kind of coach you could communicate, in between. Yeah, and I would also um, say that you could commu- that you could also communicate with the catcher as well. I don't dislike that. I think it would be very awkward initially. It would take a I mean, you'd a have to have a, curve, you'd have to but, do you'd have to do like a full spring training, maybe yeah. you know. But I, why not? I yeah. I don't. I mean, it's not as though if coaches want to call pitches now, they can't. They call pitches from the dugout all the time. But, so, but you kind of you kind of restrict it on your time out there anyway. So why not say or maybe add it? Uh, and you know, maybe you could call like a thirty-second timeout. And maybe get one of them, and then uh, or two of them a game, and, and you can if you need to expand. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna make technology better than what it is, and I, I like that idea. I think it's innovative and kind of fun. I just don't think we need umpires. Now, the the other good thing, and they would never do this because there's obviously competitive issues. But wouldn't it be great if then you could uh, either through XM Radio or through an app. Uh, as listen a fan, in. you could actually listen in. I mean, they would never go. The players, no, they would never that. go for that. But that would be awesome. But they could do it where Fox tapes what they're saying, and when it's not giving away proprietary right. yeah, information, yeah. Yeah. then you could. Yeah. They could. They kind of like with like NFL films. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. But but if we're gonna go the technological route, why do we need home plate umpires? I want pitches called by machines where everyone's strike zone is the same every single time. I don't necessarily disagree with the strike zone. I, I still think you need a live body just for uh, to administer the game, and also fine. You're gonna have, you're gonna have plays at the plate where I think you'd want to have a live body. Fine, on that. no no problem. But I still want to be able to correct the human error. See, I would I would say again, technology exists. Why not just throw like some uh, uh, you know why not have some special made Oakleys that gives the umpire kind of either a red light or a green light, and then. Sure. You know, I'd have no problem with that. that. That's fine. I just, like, so often, every game you've ever gone to, someone's complaining about a ball strike ball. What if we just eliminated that? Yeah. Everyone knows what the strike zone is. It's the same. Well, it's kind of every... like in tennis, right? Tennis has that technology. Exactly. Yeah. And it's better. You know that it, what it is. and you, it, I mean, you can challenge a few of them just like tennis if you want, right, but right. the computer's going to be right. Right, right. I, I have no problem with that. What do you think, though, of 
the, the things that came out this week. The DH. The, it, it appears not this year, but in the very near future, the DH is coming to the National League. Well, Ken Rosenthal actually wrote that he thought it's still potentially on the table for this year. I, I don't think you can do it this year. I don't think you can do this this year because people have well, I mean, kind of designed their teams. They've designed their teams, and, and you need to... You need I to, mean, it's going to be part of the labor negotiation, and I think the labor contract. Well, you know, you know, what's, I think what's going to happen is t- to get all the speed up the game initiatives, they're going to have to give it on the DH. Yeah, and I think that's fair. That's a fair and, and they're probably going to have to give an extra player. You're going to go from 25 to 26 active. I players. like all that. I like the 26 active players. The thing that's interesting to me is the talk about going from 40 to 28. Uh, I would maybe go up to 30, but I mean, I, I. I they never usually use all 40 guys anyway. Well, I mean, I think if the, to the union you say there's going to be an extra player or two or three, whatever, on the big league roster. Right. But the constant flipping of, oh, well, we played an extra inning game, so we're sending these two relievers right. down and bringing these two yeah. guys up. you got to get rid of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Dodgers well, there was use talk like about- a 35-man roster. Yeah. And you got to get rid of the 10-day DL because it's not enough time. Right. So guys are constantly on the phantom DL. you right. got to go back to 15 or maybe even a 20. Yeah, like a 15 or a 20. And let's talk about that. I would, And this is another crazy one. Um, and at first, when I thought of it, I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then it, it, as I thought more about it, it grew on me. I'm not sure, um, I'm, I'm not sure about the, the three-guy... Um, this is the most interesting of the rule changes. But here's the, but this is what I would be interested in, Dave. Let's is, explain it to someone that might not. Yeah, 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 right, right. So the right now, um, you know, you basically can bring in at any point in the game. You can start a guy to throw to the first batter and take him out, and then have another uh, a relief pitcher. A, you can come in and throw as many pitches as you right. want. You can throw right. one pitch right. or right. fifty pitches. Now the now the so so one argument is starting starting a reliever to start. To face one batter and then bring him out and bring in the starter to pitch the rest of the way. Or we, we saw last year mostly it was pitch the first inning. Um, but then there's also the late game situations where you, you might bring in three pitches. You, you know, you have it's you, the lefty that comes in right, to face the, Barry Bonds right, and then goes out. Right, right. So the rule proposal is that you can bring in a relief pitcher at any time, but he has to face three batters. Three batters, yeah. Which I'm okay. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think that's, it totally changes the game. It does change the game, but it doesn't necessarily change it in a bad way. Well, but but and this is the thing I was thinking about. Uh, another thing that I was thinking about too, Dave, is fine. Then then you know that if you have two lefties of the first three or four hitters, then just make the make the inning change pitcher comes out, it's the left-hander, left-hander faces everybody. But you can pinch hit, particularly if you yes, have 26, yes, 28 yes, men right, on the roster. Right, that's true. I mean, it seems to me, the idea, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is a pace of play issue. Yes. Fewer right. changes, right. fewer micromanaging, right. more flow to the game. But I think it's going to help offense because oh, totally. you, you can't bring in right. the lefty to face the lefty and then the righty to face right. the righty right. and you can so just on stack and so your, forth. Right, right, right. right. Um, but I don't know that that's a bad thing. Well, and then the other thing, and this kind of go, and I guess this is an either or, right? Um, I guess you could either do force the guy to face three hitters or say you get one pitching change in inning. So, like, you can you can have two guys in an inning and that's it. So you could still kind of have that lefty-righty matchup, but... You're not doing, like, three guys in an inning. Yeah. I mean, th- you also could go, you have to face two batters rather than three. I mean, with the three, you really can have lefty, righty, lefty, and then who do you pitch and do you make a pitching change and all of that. If you only have to face two batters, yeah. that changes the dynamic a little bit, too. Sure it does. But I like the discussion. Like... All of the pace of play stuff is really, really positive. Well, well we, we saw we saw it, what two now? I guess it'll be three years ago now. Uh, I now the, the first year was great because everybody kind of stayed on it, and then it, it's kind of drifted a little bit. But games in the minor leagues are still faster than they used to be. And to me, and you see more of them than I do. I don't think it's adversely impacted the game. Not at all. But that was the great fear that this is this no. changes the game. It I, doesn't change the game at all. I, I actually, in, in the minor leagues, and they're talking about doing this 
I think in spring training games and uh, in the All-Star game is uh, when there becomes a tie that you put the runner at second base in the 10th inning for both teams until... Right, and the baseball purists hate this idea. But it's kind of... I mean, again, it's anecdotal, but as far as I've seen, Dave, it's really helped speed up. It's the regular season. Who needs to be at a ballpark for five and a half yeah, hours? Right. You know, and now you're screwing around with your bullpen and you've got position players pitching and like right and this is no disrespect to the you know late 1800s and you know most of the 20th century uh but there's just more to do now right you know, but, you know, i could see like in in 1930 it was fine to hang out all day at a baseball because what else is going on and it's okay to me if you want to say we're going to play two normal extra innings we're going to play the 10th right. inning or 10th and 11th innings or whatever that but at some point let, let's move it along. Let's put right, the runner. Right. Now we're not going to do this in the playoffs. No, no, no in the this playoffs. This is just the regular right, season. Right, right, right. Because if you have a tie or you win a game, and I don't know if they would do it like the NHL, where you get a win to go into overtime, right, right, or you get right. half a win, or ha- however right, you want right, to right. do it. But yeah. like the season is so long, it's one game. Let's move it along. I feel like well, there's a lot of sample. You have a lot of sample size, right? So it's like. You know, it's not going to really skew the results if a team goes into overtime. Yeah, I think that baseball would be more popular if it was played at closer to two hours than three hours. No doubt about it. But even the NFL, I mean, they—they they, they, uh, a couple of years ago they they eliminated some commercial inventory and they 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 they, they yeah, recognize and they it, need to and shorten the game. Better. Yeah. We don't need four-hour football games. Right. We don't need four-hour or three-and-a-half-hour baseball Well, remember the old, under the old, I mean, they changed, and this is kind of a little bit inside football, but, you know, remember, the, uh, you know, even five years ago, it almost it was like a timeout after every kickoff. Yep. And they've kind of eliminated that. It was a score, a commercial, yeah. a kickoff, a commercial. and a commercial. Yeah. And they got rid of that, yeah. and it's better. Much better. No doubt about it. So... We're going to head to Charleston. Yeah, we're heading to Charleston. We're going to have a great meal. We're going to see an old friend. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the Winthrop Charleston Southern game. It should be a good game. Both teams play at a breakneck pace, and Charleston yeah. Southern presses and traps. So we'll see how Winthrop handles that. But then we're going to talk about the NBA. And there's already been a ton that's gone on with. Porzingis being yeah. traded and Harris being traded and I was talking to a buddy that works in the G League driving to Rock Hill to meet you today. I think the NBA trade deadline and NBA trades are the most difficult thing in sports to understand. Yeah, because the economics is it plays a bigger part than the talent move. The economics and the planning for the future right. almost supersedes the actual trade. Like every trade that goes on, you go, oh, this team got a good player and this team didn't. Hold on, I need to read yeah. what this means with the salary cap right. and free agency this year and draft picks. I mean, the, the Clippers traded their best player for future assets and because if they make the playoffs this year, they lose their first round draft pick. So they have to do everything in their power to miss the playoffs. Wow. So they traded their best player to free up cap space and make sure they lose. And that's a smart trade. It is. And the Sixers got a really good player, but gave away so much cap flexibility and contract space that you wonder if it's actually a good move. They acquired a guy so that they have four elite top level players and maybe you're now the favorite in the Eastern Conference and the analytics people are like yeah it's a no brainer for the Clippers who got Landry Shaman and cap space but I don't know for Philadelphia who acquired this stud we'll talk about that on the other side hours I-26 northbound after Winthrop 76-72 win 
over Charleston Southern at a 16-point lead. Whittled down to 1.3. Eagles turned the ball over quite a bit. Nine-point deficit, though, as well. Yeah, nine-point deficit as well. Trailed as much as uh, 12, I think, in that game. But it was a good win, good road win, good road kill, as Eagles like to talk about it. He's like to call it. So now kind of firmly right now in second place at 7-3. How about Winthrop has four conference road wins and trailed at halftime with all of them? That's crazy. And that, yeah, that's just ridiculous how well they've played on the road. Maybe just a little bit more locked in, as Josh Ferguson told me after the game on Thursday night. But a beautiful day here Great in Charleston. Great day in Charleston. Great day. We saw Bud Shoulders. It had been too long that's since right. we saw the former Winthrop women's basketball coach. And I love that he's a haircut maven now. Yeah, so Bud... Um, coached, I don't know, what, 29 years? I want you to think about this. Dude devotes his life to coaching basketball. Does it at a really, really high level. Kind of last job at it. Comes to Winthrop. Takes a program that's down and out. Becomes the school's all-time winningest coach. After seven years, departs. And five years later, owns four Sport Clips franchises. Right. And, uh... And really doing well and enjoying it and having fun with it. And talks about sport clips like it's his basketball team. Yeah. Like about his team and yeah. his strategy yeah. Yeah. and yeah. like yeah. he's he's so into it. Like what job could you do? Like you hang it up at the end of this winter basketball right. season, right. you change professions, but like you're just like all in in the same way. If I knew the answer to that, I'd be doing it already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a great... Maybe, uh, I mean, you don't really franchise this, but I could see myself working at the Lego store. Huh. Like That'd selling Legos? Well, I don't think it's a job, but I'd prefer to be the guy that just sets up all the Legos. But all day long, you could build Legos. If someone yes. said, hey, Mike... Here's a check for roughly the same as you're making now, right. but you no longer work on the Panthers broadcast, right. you no longer work on the Winter broadcast, you no longer work on the Knights broadcast, but like 40 hours a week, you're just pounding out Legos, you're down. That would be pretty damn, uh, pretty damn tempting, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, I don't want to do all the other stuff like selling and, you know, manning them for cash register. I just feel like if that's what you want to spend doing all day, like you also should be forced to like eat chicken nuggets all the time and go to bed at 7.30. No, no. I need to... I need 9.30? To my, uh, I need to keep my uh, girlish figure here. <laughs> or my boyish figure, I should say. All right, I yeah, like that, that though. Good. That would be fun. So I, that's like your dream no, but if, job. No, but if, no, in all seriousness, uh, I don't know. I, I've Obviously, you know, you and I have had many, 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 many conversations. I don't know. I, I do think about it a lot. Like, what would I do if... If the kind of the rug fell out or just for whatever reason. You know, and our industry is very much like that. I mean, you could be flavor of the month now and then tomorrow you're not. Uh, and with what I do, everything is very freelance. So, um, I mean, I have great relationships with the Panthers and the Knights. And of course, with the University and NBC News Channel. So, everybody's been very flexible. But, yeah, I mean. It, Wouldn't you just be a politician? Everybody likes you. Like, you would be easily electable because everyone, like, appreciates, like, the the care and the love and the dedication that you give to, to them and their families. Like, no one would ever vote against you. Everyone hates me. I've got a big mouth and lots of opinions, and I tell people how I feel about them. I almost ripped the head off of a guy working at Charleston that Southern tonight. Hilarious. I showed unbelievable restraint. You did. No, I am so proud of you. So what happened was, in the middle of the postgame show... Pat Kelsey sits down, starts talking with Dave, Eagles head coach Pat Kelsey. And all of a sudden, like two minutes later, we get a text from the radio station saying, hey, you guys, we, I don't hear you anymore. And what happened was, we're internet-based now, so it's not like the old days of like Switch 56 or ISDN. ISDN's probably the more yeah, common. Yeah, we connect one. to the radio station right. using a really expensive piece of radio equipment yeah. that is it's over an IP, IP connection, yeah. just like you would plug your your laptop or your computer right. into an Ethernet cord. Right, so this, this guy, uh, one of the sports information guys he's you know they get I mean it's you know it's Thursday night that he's probably getting ready to go down to King Street uh, and he's uh, I think he's more likely he's going home to play Fortnite <laughs> okay that, that may be but anyway regardless he's he's uh, 
yanking wires like they're going out of style. So yeah, so he unplugged our Ethernet us. cable. Unplugged us, yeah. And I didn't do anything other than mention that there was somebody incompetent working <laughs> at Charleston Southern. Yeah. I I, I didn't say anything to no. him. I didn't go crazy. I just made a quick mention yeah, of it when we right. got back on the air and moved along. And then I vented to you and yeah. to a couple other Winthrop employees that made the trip to North Charleston. Right. And I kind of egged John at one point because I was, I, was, I kind of wanted to see it. But then I, discretion was the better part of Valor. I, we, we, we talked you down. We talked you off the ledge. It's and, just and take some thing is, pride in your work. Yeah. Like, like, if you sign up to do the job, like, do it right. Like, no one forced that person to work at Charleston Southern. The place is a dump. That's the way it is. It just is. It's the second smallest gym in the country, and they don't have a lot of resources. And if you don't want to work there, no one said he had to work there. And if you're going to work there, do the job to the fullest. Yeah. Like, take some pride in what you do. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing you can control is your attitude. You can't control... You know whether you're working at a place that has less resources or whether you know you're under whatever whatever the thing is, but you but but those are mental mistakes. Like that's just you know. And he's a young guy. I don't know. You know, I, we didn't really get to talk to him. So I don't know his background. I don't know how new he is. Honestly, or, it happened at probably like nine forty-five Eastern tonight, and the NBA trade deadline was in the middle of the afternoon, but had it happened beforehand, he probably would have been traded to Pulaski for a, a, <laughs> a, a stale hot dog from baseball season and a uh, um, some pine tar and maybe uh, a couple of peanuts. Maybe a broken down uh, train whistle? Yeah, exactly. Now, there wasn't... Uh, it wasn't was, the fireworks that we thought the trade deadline was going to be. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess all of the big deals already happened. Let's talk briefly about the Christoph Porzingis trade. I mean, he's the franchise player with the Knicks, and they trade him in order to get rid of two other bad salaries right. so that they now can sign multiple major free agents. So from a Knicks perspective, you're a Knicks fan, franchise hasn't been very good the last, I don't know, more than several years. And, and this guy's your star, but he is often injured, but he's young yep. and you know maybe a transcendent player and you essentially dump him in order to dump other guys. Let's look at it in the most positive light possible. You get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in free agency. Does that make it a great trade? Yeah, I think so. If you get those two guys, but what's the what's the likelihood that that's going to happen? I mean, if it's you're a free possible. agent, no, I understand the money, and I understand it's the Knicks, but that franchise has been such a train wreck for so long. Why would you want to go there? Now we do live in the era kind of of superstars want to build their own super team. So if that's if they have the cash and the and the space, yeah, that, that's definitely a legit landing spot. And if you don't get those guys, well, it, it, it's almost as if you if you don't make this deal, then, or if, I'm sorry, if this deal doesn't net what you expect it to, it's a bust. I mean, it's a, don't you think it's a very high well, risk? I mean, they're going to sign two max free agents. In a best case scenario, it's Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. In a worst case scenario, it's um, Harrison Barnes and Kemba Walker. So if you just traded your franchise player and now you've got Harrison Barnes and Kemba Walker, what do we think at this point? Harrison Barnes and Kemba Walker? Yeah, you're still pretty good, but... You're screwed. You're screwed, but, I mean, you're... What are you looking at, like, seven? You're... you're I mean, you're still outside the top four of the East. I mean, you're... You're outside the top case, six. No, like, but those best guys case already... scenario, no, but I'm saying best case scenario... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still... You've spent a ton of money for two guys who lock you in to maybe a playoff berth. Right, maybe. I mean, you'd rather have Christoph Porzingis than either of those two guys. What about from a Mavericks perspective? I mean, you've now taken on some bad salaries. They've subsequently been able to get rid of some right. money on the books as well. But you're essentially saying Luka Doncic and Christoph Porzingis, 
this is our franchise. Right, and you're selling hope back to the Mavericks fans. Yeah. You're giving them hope again. Now, you then subsequently traded Barnes to Sacramento, and, you know, basically you're just cutting salary because he can opt in for $25 million next year, and you don't really want to pay him that. Right. No, I no, mean, no. you get worse by not having Harrison Barnes on your team, but the Mavs know they're not going to win this year, and they don't want to pay him next year anyway. Did anybody win by staying pat? That's an interesting question. I think New Orleans won by not by trading keeping, yeah. Anthony Davis right, right. because what you were being offered now, at least what was reported, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think in the off season you're going to get more because the Celtics are going to be in play, and when the uh, dominoes start going, everybody starts going crazy. But it, it, it's also possible the Celtics don't make a major offer for whatever reason, or their offer is less than you think, and you're left holding the bag, too, because you can't then trade for expiring contracts because they'll have expired at that yeah, point. Yeah, they'll be already be gone. Interesting. And then the Hornets, I think there's a lot of speculation that Marc Gasol was going to come to Charlotte from Memphis, and he ended up going to Toronto. Yeah, Toronto offered more, and, you know, I... Would Mark Gasol have helped the Hornets? I don't know. Does he make that yeah, seventh I, I, team in the East? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to win a championship with yeah. them, but win a couple more games? I, I think so, yes. Yeah, possible. Um, the, the Hornets are in just such a bizarre spot because they're irrelevant. Like, maybe they'll make the playoffs and maybe they won't, but they're not in any way, shape, or form a threat to make the NBA Finals, probably not a threat to make the Conference Finals. So, like, what would you have traded to get Mark Gasol? Because to trade anything of value long term seems very, very short-sighted. Right, and yeah, and then you throw in how everything has to kind of equal in the trade calculator deal. Yeah, um, it's interesting. It, it, the, the NBA, you need like a master's degree to understand NBA trades with all of the salary cap implications and, and everything going forward it seems to me though more than any other sport the NBA has embraced the either we are a contender to win the championship or we're playing for another time there there are a lot of teams I think the Cincinnati Reds are one of these right now that like they're trying to go halfway they're trying to like compete but they don't have the they don't have the horses to win a World Series. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like with the Reds that it's like they're running a marathon, and they they realize at mile marker twelve they need to stop for some water. Right. Like maybe they should have put in the training the previous six to twelve yeah. months to do it. And like I like the Sunny Gray trade yeah. for the Reds because they yeah. ink them yeah. long term, and like that's a piece. But that trade they made with the Dodgers, they just get guys for one year. Yeah. Now, maybe they yeah. didn't give up a ton, right, right. but like, if those guys are good, if Alex Wood is good, he's a free agent at the end of the year and he costs you a fortune. If he's bad, that wasn't, didn't work out anyway. Right. Like, I just, like, if you play fantasy sports, no one plays to make the playoffs. You either go all in or you don't bother playing. Right. And, like, it kind of seems to me that, like, the NBA now understands that. The NBA is just one big dynasty fantasy league. Everyone is either tanking or going That's for it. Yeah. And That's interesting. It, it, like, I just I don't get the Hornets. Like, what is the plan? How are they going to win a championship? I don't know. I, mean, I think no, but but I think that's also part of kind of the transition from Rich Cho to now Mitch Kupchak, and they're you know this this system now is I think for the most part, unless you're fortunate with how you inherit, like if you're a new GM to an existing situation, depending on how you inherit existing contracts and expiring contracts, it's kind of hard. 
if you've kind of maxed yourself out or come real close to maxing out, it's hard to turn that battleship around. Like, don't you feel like going in to next year, the Hornets either need to have a bunch of assets or they need to have re-signed Kemba Walker and traded future assets to put them around Kemba Walker. Like, either you are trading players and trading cap room, bottoming out and getting ready for two or three or four years down the line, or you re-sign Kemba. What, what sense would it make to have Kemba come back with the same roster they have this year and again be 500 and not be competitive to go deep in the playoffs? Well, and they have to do what's in the best interest of the Hornets, obviously, but at some point do you say, hey, we're not going to be good for three or four years, so why don't we trade Kemba to someone who can be a contender, get some really good assets back, we're going to stick for two or three years. Like, is he going to want If you were going to do that, though, why didn't you do it today? Well, that's a... Yeah, exactly. But what I'm... But I guess what I'm getting at is... goes back to your plan, right? I mean, you have, at some point, you got to figure out... you got to make a decision where you think you are between now and the next five years, and you got to kind of react accordingly. I think so. I think so. I and, and there's still moves to be made in the NBA because a lot of guys that got traded are going to get cut, and then they're going to get picked up by contenders. But because it's almost impossible, right? If you're a last place team, to be a competitive team the next year right away, like to go from last to first. Yeah, I mean, like unless look, unless you have like a, unless you're at the at the uh, if you have a five year plan and you've just gutted the whole thing out and you got space and you got you know room and and you got and you're willing to spend it. You know, I guess in that sense, if you, you caught fire and you made all the right moves. I mean, if you look at the Celtics roster, you look at the Sixers roster, you look at the Warriors roster, you look at Milwaukee's roster, you look at Toronto's roster, you look at Houston's roster. I mean, take the six or eight or ten best teams in the league and then ask yourself how anyone else remotely has a chance to win. If but that's why Golden State's kind of an outlier, right? Because they've, they've been able to kind of sustain success success over the last, what, five, six years? And it sure looks like Boston and Philadelphia are set up to do the exact yeah. same thing. I mean, yeah, it's hard to get have five starters that are all-stars. And the Warriors had three, Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And because they had those three, they got Kevin Durant and through weird circumstances, they got Boogie Cousins. Yeah. But Cousins and Durant might be gone next year. Right. But look at the, the group that Philly has put together. Assuming you can re-sign those guys, that's it. Like, maybe it's good enough and maybe it's not. Right. But, but right. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and that group, uh, Jimmy Butler, that, yeah. that's it. Either that group is going to win it for you, or it's not. Now, maybe they're not going to re-sign one of those guys. They're going to make a move. They're going to bring someone else in. But, like, it sure feels like that's the group. I mean, if things go as the New Orleans Pelicans want them to go, yeah. and things go like the Boston Celtics want them to go, the Celtics finally, after hoarding all of these assets for several years, are going to get Anthony Davis. Yeah. And then you're going to have a group of guys, and that's it. Now, I don't know if Kyrie Irving's going to re-sign, but if you say, hey man, you want to play with this group of players, and oh, by the way, one of them is Anthony Davis, like, I mean, if he wants to go play in L.A., he can. If he wants to go play in New York, he can. But, like, he's not going to play with a better group of players. Like, like that, yeah, that's, that that's going to be it. And, and if you're the Hornets and you're looking at those teams, yes, I understand to look five years down the road is a long time. But w what is the way that your current roster wins? They, they don't. I mean, that doesn't mean they can't make the playoffs. Right. That doesn't mean they can't win a playoff right. series. Right. But, like, w if the goal is to make the playoffs, you're the Buffalo Bills. Right. Like, you made the playoffs two years ago, and you lost, and that was, like, a big thing, and now you can go back to being the Buffalo Bills and going 3-13 and 13 every right. year. Like, the goal has to be bigger. They, it, it, it's kind of like working in the Big South. How many times have you and I, over many years, someone has said, 
hey, you know, the the X, Y, and Z that you do at Winthrop, that that's the best in the league. And we say, hey, that's fantastic. Is it the best in the Southeast? Oh, Duke's doing something better than right, us? Right, oh, then right, we can yeah. do better than that. Yeah, the benchmark like, is higher. Yeah. Like, like the goal shouldn't be to be okay, we finished two games over 500 last year, let's finish five games over 500 this year. Great, you went from the eighth seed to the seventh seed, you got waxed in the first round, who cares? Yeah. The goal has to be to win a championship, otherwise you're in the wrong sport. Is that it? You keep stopping when I yawn. Huh. <laughs> no, yeah. Good thing I'm driving. Yeah, it's a good thing you're driving. Well, next week we'll have a podcast. Are we headed to uh, Boiling Springs? Boiling Springs. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna try and check out the uh, presidential uh, kitchen library. Do they have food there or just the museum? I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. All right, because if you've got a recommendation for where we should eat in suburban Shelby, the Greater Boiling Springs Metroplex. Well, you know we are professionals, Dave. Uh, this may be one where we might want to reach out to them early. And uh, try and figure out something. Yeah, it's always good to do your research and and reach out early. That's Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com. Hashtag Bearded Carcast at Bearded Carcast. Thank you for listening. (laughs) You got me in a yawn again.